The date is June 8th, 1984, and we're watching Gremlins. Welcome to I Used to Like This One. Hello and welcome to I Used to Like This One, the show where we take a look back at movies we remember fondly from our childhood and attempt to look past the nostalgia to see if they still hold up. My name is Sean Wells, and with me, as always, is the... Barney to my gizmo. Hello, I'm Colin Stewart. And this week, we continue on with our Christmas movies and brought back a man we haven't talked to since our Bad Boys episode. Please welcome back for his hat trick episode, Mr. Kingsley Long. Hey, hey the original Bad Boy right here. Woo! There we go. Yeah, <laughs> welcome back, Kingsley. It's been a minute, but I'm excited to have you here for a Christmas movie. I mean, would you agree Gremlins is 100% a Christmas movie? Absolutely. Just like Die Hard. Yeah, exactly. Hand in hand. Yeah. <laughs> So now we have not had you on yet for a Christmas movie. So we like to ask our Christmas guests, what is your go-to holiday movie usually? Wow. Go-to holiday movie? I mean, you mentioned Die Hard already. I mean, we 100% agree on this show. Die Hard is a good Christmas classic. It is. And it's also because it's it's on TV like 12 times a day. So yeah. you can't miss it during the holidays. So. <laughs> but it's always great to watch. I always find myself watching the whole thing anyway. Yeah. It's great. I don't really have a go-to, you know? I just watch whatever's on. And then uh, there's there's surprisingly a lot of musicals that are on during Christmas. Yeah. And, you know, they're kind of fun. They're a little different. They're not really holiday-themed, but, you know, I don't know. Are you, like, a classics in terms of, like, A Miracle on 34th Street or uh, It's a Wonderful Life? Or are you, like, a modern classics of things like Scrooged, Elf, Christmas Vacation? Like, what, what would you lean more towards? Or, as we discovered with Colin, the Hallmark classics as well, the Hallmark love stories, those are also, I guess, a genre upon themselves, I would almost say. That's yeah, true. To, to anyone who hasn't seen it, I highly recommend Christmas in Evergreen. There's four of them. Watch the <laughs> watch them all. They're very enjoyable. <laughs> the, the Evergreen Quadrilogy. <laughs> but, but yeah, what, what's your what's your leaning, Kingsley? Well, you know, uh, the, it's a classic, and it's funny that it's very apropos because we just talked about this in uh, you know in real life. But Elf, Elf with uh, Colin Fer. Is it Colin? Colin no, no, Will Ferrell. No, Will Ferrell. <laughs> Will Ferrell. Colin Ferrell. Call. That Will, would yeah. be a very different movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's more of a shoot, shoot up. But uh, yeah, so that one I remember watching around around the holidays as just such a such. Well, obviously, it's Christmas theme, so like the the theme is perfect. But just it's so funny. It's yeah. just seeing Will Ferrell and uh, who's the girl that's in that one? Zoe Deschanel. Zoe yeah. Deschanel. We 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 just covered this show last week, so so we're we're already on top of this knowledge here for you. Yeah, so yeah, you're bang on. But yeah, that, that's a good one to watch over and over again. <laughs> yeah, right on. Well, this week we are looking back at June 1984 when the movies and theaters were Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock, Firestarter, The Natural, Indiana Jones, and The Temple of Doom, and of course our movie for today. Gremlins, which earned $212.9 million on an $11 million budget. 
I, I I did read that originally they did want this coming out at the Christmas season, but instead they looked at the calendar of movies that were coming out, and they're like, ah, oh, it's it's that it's some ghost movie that's coming out, and and an Indiana Jones sequel, whatever. We'll we'll go up against these guys instead because they yeah. they thought they would have this cushy spot, and of course Ghostbusters and Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom come out and just crush this because they didn't know that that's what they were going up against for real, and so. <laughs> So I just I, I did read though that this movie did do better in New York City because people in New York they can hold a grudge. They they were still furious about the delays in traffic that the Ghostbusters shoot had done for a couple of days. That <laughs> that it actually outperformed in New York more than any other markets for going up against Ghostbusters and Indiana Jones at the same time. So that's I thought awesome. that was funny. Yeah, that's awesome. Yes, and as always, there will be spoilers ahead, so if you don't want this movie to be spoiled for you, please hit pause, go watch it, and then come back and hear what we have to say. <laughs> so, you laugh because 37 years, right? Like, they they should have seen it by now, but whatever. We, we still like <laughs> to warn people. We don't want hate mail. So, the tagline that appears on the poster for this movie is, and as I often do, I have multiple. First is, cute, clever, mischievous, intelligent, dangerous. Sounds like a perfect setting for a movie. Yeah. And that's five separate sentences, like cute, period, clever, period, mischievous, period. Yeah. Hmm. Second is We're Back. And that's from a 1985 re-release of the movie. (laughs) I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Third is They'll Be Expecting You. I I don't follow that one. Yeah, I don't get it. It just, does it tie into anything? I don't think so. No. Fourth up, I've got What You See isn't always what you get that one works for me a little bit hmm. yeah, i got a lot of blank stares coming from colin <laughs> yeah, i'm not i'm not liking any of these okay yeah. <laughs> well number five the final one let's try to bring it home strong here i don't know whether it will be they're clever they're mischievous they'll get into the kitchen the basement the garage they'll get into anything what so like they- Oh, no, no, there's still more. (laughs) (laughs) Once they get in, you're in for it. Wow. So they're talking about my kids. (laughs) Nice. Nice. (laughs) But those may not be the best descriptions of this movie. So let's go to Colin and do a 60-second synopsis. Oh, man, this one was tough. (laughs) Hopefully, hopefully this is satisfactory. When his dad brings home a new pet he stole from a Chinese market and gives it to him for Christmas, Billy Peltzer is ecstatic. With his new pal Gizmo, an unexplained creature known as a mogwai, by his side what could go wrong? A lot, apparently, because Billy is incapable of following three simple rules. No sunlight, no water, no feeding after midnight. When Gizmo accidentally gets wet, he starts shooting fluff balls which turn into more mogwai, but these ones are more mischievous than Gizmo and wind up tricking Billy into feeding them after midnight, causing them to shed their fluffy exteriors and transform to monstrous gremlins. As the gremlins wreak havoc on the city, it's up to Billy and Gizmo to save the day. Will they do it? Let's find out on another episode of... I used to like this one. Nice. Nice. But the theme music. You need theme music after that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it worked out though. No. Yeah. That one. You say it was tough, but I think you nailed it. It was more. It was more just tough because I, I found it really hard to find like funny plot points to really like beef up the comedy I usually like to have in my sixty-second synopsis. Well, I, I remember back when you did Willow. 
you you made some uh, Lord of the Rings jokes. I was thinking you could have thrown in something like you know a, a, an animal called a Furby. I mean Mogwai. But there I mean, yeah, yeah. I get, but I guess it goes the other way. Like it's Furby that ripped off the Mogwai, so I guess it was there first. But <laughs> I get you. I, I get you. I get you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, this is one of those movies that I. I'm not a huge follower of the Gremlins movie, and actually, I remember the second one appealing more to a younger me than this one did. But, I mean, I have seen this several times. I don't... This isn't one, though, that is super clouded by nostalgia for me. This isn't one where where I sit there and go, oh, man, like, I remember watching this every year. This is one that I'm familiar with, but I don't know if... It necessarily falls into one of the greatest of all times for me. I just like having unusual Christmas movies. I do remember I did have a Gizmo doll, and I had a few other like Gremlins figurines. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about you, Kingsley? What what kind of experience do you have with Gremlins? Well, you know, it's interesting because back then, and I didn't really get it back then, but now looking back, I feel like Gremlins came out as like the ultimate Christmas marketing movie. Because yeah, okay. it's like, you know, it's say like Christmas is, was the time where, you know, you want to buy shit and you want to just uh, sell stuff. And yeah. so, and I know that uh, this was this was around the time where all these big other blockbusters were selling figurines for, uh, you know, Indiana Jones and uh, um, Back to the Future. And so why not come up with a doll-like thing where you can sell to kids, yeah. right? And then it, and some of the things are like, you can't feed it after midnight. You can't get it wet because all these things will happen. And I think they... Yeah. The marketing people were like, man, we can make a killing on selling this little fur baby, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and it does stuff. And then now we let's make it into a movie and make it and, and spin, spin that around, make some more money. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, you're talking merchandising. And I mean, this is also a year off of Return of the Jedi. And so, I mean, even Star Wars toys and Ewoks specifically would have been running ramp at the same time as this cute furry little uh, totally. son of a gun, you know? Totally, totally. Yeah. Now, like, did, Cole, did, this, oh, did this come before or after uh, Triples in Star oh, Trek? Oh, way after. Was it way Tri- after? Yeah. That, that, no, that, that was the 60s for Triples on Star Trek. <laughs> okay, I wasn't sure. Yeah, no, I I, re- I remember there was a Next Generation episode that used footage from the original yeah, episode. No, okay, but, right. but, but no, that was a Kirk and Spock adventure. That was, was the Triples. Yeah, Trouble with Triples. So this now, so Gremlins really is kind of like a ripoff of Tribbles. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> in a way, they are. Yeah, uh, Colin, what about you? I believe this is another one where we've caught you and you have no past experience with this movie. Is that true? Yeah, but I didn't even really know that until I watched it. I would have thought, oh, okay. I, I thought ahead of time that I had seen this movie, but as I watched it, it became pretty clear that I'd, I had never seen it. Okay. But, like, I do have some... Like, I remember Gremlins growing up, I think uh-huh. more from the toys, and I, I was trying to remember, but I think I had two Gremlins things when I was a kid. I, I'm i pretty sure I had, you know those old viewfinders, where you put the little yeah, disc? Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I think mm-hmm. I had one of those, that you could just look at the pictures, and then I also think I had, like, a little children's book that came with a tape. With and a it was tape? Just, I yeah. think I've got that sitting out on my uh, in my living room right now. Yeah, and I, it just it was just like a story about Gizmo or something like, yeah. like that, yeah. Yeah, my my mom was cleaning some stuff out and so I ended up with all these books and tapes that I used to have as a kid. Yeah. And and so I I haven't gone through them all, but I think my Gremlins, I think I had the Gremlins one as well. It might be in there. That's crazy. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. But yeah, that that's kind of my experience with Gremlins. Like the thing that I was shocked about with this movie is that 
it's a lot scarier than I thought Gremlins was. Yeah. Like, I I only ever think of Gremlins like cute little fuzzy gizmo. Mm-hmm. I don't really... I've only remember the after? I don't remember the after <laughs> when they turn. Yeah. I don't remember the bad parts. <laughs> yeah. Well, and see, that's where I remember the second one more, because the the quality of the gizmo puppet improved for the second gremlins and so they were doing things like there i remember there was in the second one there's this rambo ripoff where gizmo ties a little red headband around him and he makes a bow and arrow out of a paper clip wow (laughs) well okay let's jump into gremlins it's directed by joe dante i did read though that tim burton was asked to direct at one point that would have been interesting. It's <laughs> produced by it's produced by Michael Fennell, uh, but of course has the like the Spielberg Kennedy Marshall executive producer b- behind it. And as we've mentioned in our Gremlins episode and our Home Alone episode, uh, written by Chris Columbus. And so we start this movie with like a very film noir type voiceover from Randall Peltzer, who. I find it interesting that Randall goes by Rand in this movie, very much like Brandon goes by Brand in Goonies. It's like, <laughs> cr- like does Chris Columbus not know how to make up nicknames? <laughs> you just want to be different. <laughs> but yeah, he's he's in Chinatown, uh, and you know he's got his whole yeah, like I said, film noir. Nobody's got a story like this one. Nobody. Yeah. <laughs> I like how they have to go into Chinatown. Like yeah. back back in the eighties, that that's when you get all the mysterious stuff. Yeah, exactly. Chinatown. Like, yeah, really? It just yeah. have pieces of shit, crappy the, stuff in there. <laughs> the no man's land. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look around; everything's for sale. And I mean, yeah, I, I like his line about the fact that it's like, well, no wonder you need to pull people in off the street. But now, okay, now uh, Kingsley, you are an Asian man, so it's kind of nice that this whole Chinatown scene takes place because I do have a question and a genuine question for you. Now there's, there's the point where in the store, Rand Pelter says something about, you know, the with his toothbrush invention that he's got about, about the dragon breath. And he looks down at the dragon at the, on the counter and you hear like a gong sound. (laughs) Is this offensive to you? And like I, I'm sincerely asking because we're living in 2021, where it is good for a, a Caucasian cis male to be asking questions of other races and genders and all that sort of thing. So like I am sincerely like, do you find that this is something that's gone too far, or are you into the comedy behind it? Yeah, no, I appreciate that, Sean, and uh, you know because I represent every Asian male on the planet when I <laughs> well, say yeah. when I say this. But uh, yeah, you know. The movies back in the 80s were a different time, as we know. You know, I don't think it was racist in, okay. in, in that regard. I think things like that, they were trying to portray maybe what chi- what Chinatown uh, was like at the time. And, yeah. and from my recollection, I believe that was kind of what Chinatown was like anyways. So okay. was, I think it was maybe portraying some stereotypes, but at the same time, I think it was just being over the top stereotypes yeah. of what Chinatown really is. And things like gongs, I mean, that, that technically really is something that to scare away demons, you know, yeah. like scare. Uh, so it's not really an offensive thing. Okay. It's when you, it's when you have, it's the intent behind it. Like if someone's using that stuff to be mean about it, that's different. Yeah. But this was done in kind of like a tongue in cheek over the top, 
kind of thing. And so if uh, if you ask if you're asking me, I, I did not find it offensive at all. Okay. okay. U- ultimately, the representation was pretty good in this movie. Then you would think. The, the only thing yeah. is, what's what's that what's that dude's name again? Uh, Mr. Wong or Mr. Wing? Well, I just know him as grandfather, isn't? It? Well, he might be Mr. Wing. Yeah, that might be yeah. what it is. I thought he had a name too, but anyways, he was. <laughs> again, you know, and we can delve deeper into this, but because I, f- I feel like there was not a lot of representation and, you know, movies that were made back in, in, in that era were very stereotyped in, 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 in that regards where, you know, all the Asian male characters were all secondary or tertiary characters. And they're all like, all the Asians were like nerds <laughs> and they were yeah. all, you know, not the, not the kind of, you know, representation that we have today. Right. Yeah. So I think, having this uh this with this asian gandalf back then was just really <laughs> over the top and and you know that it wasn't offensive to me but at the same time it's like what the hell yeah, <laughs> yeah like that's all you could do my, my question was like what's up with his eye like why does his eye have to be that way like yeah, the, the, the one fucked up milky eye yeah, <laughs> yeah. well the interesting thing i read like grandfather is played by key luke the thing I found interesting, though, is other options for this role. They looked at Mako, and I'm not sure exactly who Mako is. I went through his IMDb, and there's a lot of stuff that he's been in that I recognize, but there's no huge thing that I remember him from. But I've seen him a million times. He's got 163 credits. But I read that Grandfather could have also been played by John Pertwee, who is one of the Doctor Who's. So it just makes me wonder, like, were they going to keep it with Chinatown at that point? Or would it have been a different backstory? Or the movie was going to be set in, like, Victorian England. Yeah. He was just going to be an old shopkeeper. Yeah. Or it could have been, it could have very easily been, like, uh, you know, Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. Like that kind of setting. Yeah. Now, okay. Now, one more, like, uh, you know, I want to get off the topic of this, but one more question about, you know, offensive stereotypes or whatever what about the fact that this little asian kid in the store is dressed exactly the same way as short round in indiana jones (laughs) and the temple of doom with his yankees cap and (laughs) like what was it with little asian kids in the 80s wearing yankees caps is that a thing were you a little asian kid in the 80s wearing a yankees cap kingsley no, I was not. I was okay. not at all. Because uh, I think it's different when when you get, you know, first generation, when you just kind of like come off the boat and come overseas into America. If you're a little kid, like uh, you, you hear about New York City, you hear about all this, you know, America stuff. So yeah. I think you, the parents probably want to emulate the the kids and say, hey, let's uh, let's get you into this culture in yeah. America. Let's wear a Yankees hat. Let's, uh, you know, do all this kind of shit. For me, you know, growing up in Canada, <laughs> and, and being second gen, uh, no, I, my parents just dressed me kind of like uh, like a nerdy little kid, okay. <laughs> you know, and uh, like everyone else. But yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think, again, that's just a stereotype that, you know, movies used back then. And it's funny that you uh, you related to Short Round because that's kind of who I thought of, too, when yeah. I saw that movie. And both movies in theaters at the exact same time. Yeah. <laughs> Let's find a character that all white people be comfortable with. This is, the, this is what he's going to look like. <laughs> Maybe that was some sort of like, uh, was this, this was Spielberg? Yeah, they're both Spielberg properties. Yeah, they're I was gonna executive say, produced. Yeah. Because doesn't, Lucas directed Indiana Jones, right? No, or no, no. no those oh, are they're, both, they're both Spielberg movies? 
Well, this one's produced by Spielberg, but Indiana Jones is a directed by Spielberg. Oh, okay. And produced maybe, by Lucas. Maybe there was like cross. Uh, they're they're like oh. Maybe they just had like one guy, or they just wanted to share wardrobe while they were there. For <laughs> yeah, share wardrobe. <laughs> yeah. So how how come an inventor in an eighties movie always has to be one terrible at it, and two, why do they always have to live in a disaster of a home? Why why can't they depict an inventor that actually has good inventions that work all the time? Like this. <laughs> this would be a boring uh, movie. The bathroom buddy that he has, like, what a terrible invention that is. <laughs> You've got this brick in your pocket. He just can't ever get the pressure on the toothpaste right. But it's just like you look at all around his house, all the pel- Peltzer items that they have, the juicer and, and the coffee maker that, like, pours out, like, a molasses-type coffee. Like I thought so- some of them were also, they kind of remind me of, who's the kid from the, the Asian kid from the Goonies? That oh, the, Data. The, data, yeah. yeah. Like, it's kind of like the same scenario, except I feel like Data's stuff actually, like, worked a little better. <laughs> like, I, I didn't understand the egg cracking machine. Like, is it so hard to just crack an egg with your hand on, your, on a bowl? Or your so cow? much more like, convenient. You need, this, you need this machine. That, <laughs> like, the machine, I just feel like couldn't, wouldn't be able to amass the proper pressure to perfectly crack an egg. I actually don't think it's possible for a machine to ever crack an egg well. Probably not, no. I mean, there's, there, I think I've seen ones, like, for for people that decorate eggs professionally, mm-hmm. you know, like, they make, they make hole punchers that would help you blow eggs out. So, I mean, there must be some sort of precision that you can make with some sort of equipment i it i feel like if the yolk if the yolk doesn't matter to you like if you want to have scrambled eggs then sure but if you want to maintain the yolk yeah it's it's difficult (laughs) yeah okay okay yeah i can i can get get behind that let's get to the science i want to i want to dig deeper (laughs) (laughs) well i'm i'm wondering about the juicer because it looks like the juicer you're just supposed to throw it in peel and all like how does it separate and peel like i understand that's the science that we're dealing with here but yeah. I just don't even understand how you would think that that would work or how it does work. Or is that how juice is made when it comes to trop? I guess there is such thing. Like a Tropicana must have a mass size one of these. They don't have people sitting there peeling oranges by hands. <laughs> I don't think. It's like, how do you sort uh, coins yeah. automatically? They just do it. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I, I, I came across a stat about the gremlins that they were trying to have monkeys, like actual monkeys play the gremlins in the movie. Yeah, Yeah, I read that. But they scrapped it, obviously, because they got freaked out as soon as they put, uh, you know, like these masks on their heads and stuff. Yeah. You can't have freaking out monkeys is bad for movies. Yeah, they freaked the fuck out and started throwing shit around, like literally. Like, yeah. Yeah, I I thought that was great, but then but then I read when it came to like the three rules of the Mogways and or whatever or the Gremlins that they put the light the one about bright light in there so that they could film most of this in dim light and in at nighttime because it would help hide the limitations of the puppets. <laughs> so that was a rule out of convenience. Now, what do we think about the rules? I, I, I have to ask about the logic of the rules. Like, first of all, you can't feed them after midnight. 
Yeah. How does it know what internal clock? Some yeah. sort of internal clock, right? Is it time zone based? Yeah. Do they? Yeah. Do they know where they are? What happens if you travel with your Mogwai? Right. <laughs> yeah. Do you always? Yeah. Do you have to maintain the midnight of this town? Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> that is interesting. Yeah. Or maybe it's when the moon hits a certain angle. <laughs> yeah, because it's it's always midnight somewhere. Right. So, yeah, it would have been it would have been a better rule if they said don't feed them after sundown because then sundown is always sundown. There you go. That's true. <laughs> Let's rewrite this shit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, one of my biggest problems with this movie is the fact that I don't, I can't stand that you never get a real story behind what a mogwai is and why it is the way it is or where it's from or like or what how a living animal can survive without water because it says yeah. no water not even to drink yeah <laughs> that goes against everything in biology that i know <laughs> because doesn't everything need water to survive but is that but what about any so what about any liquid can you can you feed it like pop yeah can i give it milk <laughs> why water yeah and and then and then it got me wondering like when they're walking around in the snow why aren't they multiplying? Because as soon as that snow touches their body heat, it would start melting immediately and boom, water. I mean, I've gone tobogganing in the winter. I know how wet I am when I get home. Like my hands are pruny after a day of tobogganing or skiing or something like that. And it's just, you know, I'm wet. Why wouldn't they be wet from walking through the snow? They should just, there should be billions of these things running around just from that one walk that he takes through the snow at one point. Oh, maybe there are millions, but there's just the one that's just, that got stolen away in Chinatown. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I guess it just, it all served to to like set up a narrative plot point, but they definitely could have done with a little bit more explanation on... Just ba- it's just some background. <laughs> yes and no, right? Because like you don't want too much explanation because then it just then it becomes even more silly. It takes yeah. away the mystique. Yeah, you need to just suspend your disbelief. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But I mean, like I'm I'm even looking. There's there's the scene where they're at the department store towards the end, and Spike he is going to be throwing himself in that fountain to make more fucking gremlins. He's determined. Right? <laughs> the rest of them have been blown up in the movie theater at this point, and he's like, no, I'm going to climb this fountain. And he, as he's climbing the fountain, the thing is spraying him. But he has to get to the top and stick his fingers in before like, it's, something starts happening. Like He's been getting wet the whole time. Why, is it, why aren't there gremlin balls jumping off his back left and right? I don't know. Maybe he had the, a mysterious shield. The rules <laughs> are so flawed in this movie. Yeah, can't look at the holes. Don't look at the holes. But I, I think one of my favorite things about the three rules, though, is when he first presents the Mogwai to Billy. And Billy pulls him out and everything like that and takes a picture of him. He, you know, Gizmo freaks out. And then his, his dad's, dad's like, like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's some very important things I meant to tell you. <laughs> it's like, shouldn't that happen before you let him open the basket? <laughs> My favorite part of that is like, he's, he's like, oh, yeah, I need to tell you some things. And he's like, he's like, he doesn't like light. You already know that. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't be in sunlight. Sunlight will kill him. <laughs> 
there's a lot of like animal abusers in this movie even in the opening scene when billy's at his job at the bank or wherever he is yeah and that woman comes in mrs deagle oh my god yeah Yeah. wow she's terrifying she is like she's she might be worse than the gremlins (laughs) (laughs) like i can't believe i can't believe they talked they had a scene where she literally talks about putting a dog in a spin cycle of a dryer yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah, she she is terrible, but she is so cartoony, right? Like, yeah, when she comes in, so. she is so much like Mrs. Hannigan in Annie. That's that's who she reminds me of. And it, and it was at that point where I, I had the question to myself, who's this movie for? <laughs> because... When you have this this uh, Annie type villain come in all of a sudden, and she's got the same sort of like Wicked Witch of the West music co- when she's coming in, is this a kids movie or or is it for adults? Like I know it's going to get violent later, but then you throw in this character, and so it's like, who is this movie for? Yeah, I don't really know. Actually, I I kind of agree. Like I think it strikes me as that that's just kind of a thing of these types of eighties movies where it's like something for the whole family, but. It's like it starts out being okay for kids, but I think by the halfway point, it's like if your if your kid was under ten, maybe they needed to not watch the yeah. rest. I don't know. Yeah, I I mean, like I I know that I I have said a fact wrong in some of our past episodes where I say that Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom is the reason for a PG thirteen rating. It's actually a combination of this movie and Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. So this is one of those movies that helped create the PG-13 rating. And so they knew that it wasn't violent enough to be an R-rated movie, but it definitely wasn't tame enough to be PG. But it's just like, but it feels like it's for under 13 anyway. (laughs) But, But it's not. It's too violent for under 13. But I read it could have been much more violent because at one point they wanted to have like the gremlins go and take over a McDonald's and, <laughs> and eat the people and eat the people instead of the burgers. Yeah. Uh, I also read that there was going to be a scene where they kill Barney, the dog. <laughs> and there was also going to be a scene where they uh, where they decapitate Mrs. Peltzer and throw her head down the stairs. And it's oh, like, wow. yeah. <laughs> Like apparently, apparently in the original movie, it was also supposed to be that Stripe and and Gizmo were the same person. Like it wasn't originally two, and it was Steven Spielberg that said, "No, no, no, you you need one of these guys that stays good." But originally, it was going to be Gizmo turns into Spike or Stripe or whatever his name. Huh. Was. I wonder if this was like the the training ground for some of the movie execs to see, you know, how far they can get with this kind of genre. Yeah, like maybe this is, this was the start of you know things like Chucky and, you know, these kind of, or not even, not even to, to that degree, because you can lump in like E.T. Small into soldiers. This genre, right? And then just like, they, they just started getting scary and scarier, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like Gremlins almost might've worked better as a full on like Christmas horror movie. Yeah. Like, I think I, I kind of feel like part of like its issue is that it, it kind of like toes that PG 13 line. Yeah. And it's one of those movies where I feel like it would have almost been better if they just pushed it to like a full R. Yeah. Then you have, you have similar to Chucky, you have the like funny, you know, whatever, like side by side of this, like children's toy murdering people, like these, these things that for whatever reason, they just end up being humorous. (laughs) Yeah. Hmm. I, I I love how the the city is so unapologetically Hill Valley from Back to the Future though. 
Yeah. They they don't even try to dress it differently. There's a point when he's <laughs> walking, or I think it's when when the old lady is walking down the street, and I was just looking at it, I was like, they're not doing anything to disguise the fact that this is a soundstage. Like, yeah. it's just... <laughs> It's just all there until you get to the the big Burger King like logo yeah. on the storefront. You're like, okay, the, the the one super shiny store that's there is is the Burger King. And how did you know which way I was trying to direct this conversation? That means it's time for sponsorship corner. I mean, we've only done like almost 70 of these shows. I feel like (laughs) sometimes I can just sense. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I do absolutely love that the shiniest sign on the block is for Burger King. But always on the lookout for product placements in movies this week. Gremlins is brought to you by the New York Yankees, the YMCA, DC Comics, Burger King, Hallmark, Coors, Jack Daniels, Coca-Cola, Canon and Polaroid, Casio, Marlboro Cigarettes, Honda, Mobile Gas, Kelken Cat Food, Kentucky Harvester Tractors, Allstate Insurance, Sapphire 9 Radio, which I believe is Volkswagen exclusive when I looked it up, yet Billy's Beatles logos are never shown, so like I don't think Volkswagen is a sponsor, but their radio is. I don't know. Milky Way, Snickers, and Three Musketeers Chocolate, Peerless Movie Projector, Montgomery Ward, Coleman, Save Your... Save... Sevilor? Sevilor Rafts. It's a raft company. I don't know. I don't raft. Donkey Kong, Clue, and Boggle, Wilson, Prince, Bauer, Spalding, and Kenick Sports Equipment, DP Superstar, Exercise Mat, Barbie, Hot Wheels, and Looney Tunes, plus the movies It's a Wonderful Life, The Road Warrior, The Twilight Zone Movie, and Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Also, the fictional WDHB News, Fountain's Xmas Trees, Dory's Tavern, Deagle Real Estate, and Peltzer, the company responsible for the bathroom buddy. And this has been Sponsorship Corner. Very nice. Very nice. <laughs> Deagle Real Estate on the sign. Did you catch the hours of operation for Deagle Real Estate? No, what did it say? 10.30 to 11.15 a.m. Monday to Friday. <laughs> 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 She's open for 45 minutes a day. <laughs> That's when the best work gets done. Right there. <laughs> and then she takes the lunch. Oh, boy. <laughs> you know, what I find interesting is that, you know, this... This, the the town or the city that uh, in New York where this all takes place isn't it some sort of like supposed to be almost like a Rockwellian kind of like upstate New York city seems to be yeah and and yet they have like this ghetto Chinatown uh, where like all this stuff happens is, is that where Chinatown is or do they go into into New York City no I, I think this is more of a suburb yeah I mean I, I think he was in the city because got it this dad seems to travel because we see him at the fair later on or whatever the inventors convention right where we see like the hg wells time machine in the background because it's like yeah that's an invention that's real okay (laughs) but that's that's where we get a few cameos in the movie steven spielberg is one of the guys that one of the inventors on the floor and there were there were a couple others i don't remember like the composer of this movie was also one of them stuff like that Hmm. okay 
I don't, um, I don't remember any of the music. Was there actually good music to this video, the movie? It was very synthesizer sounding. It almost sounded like the synthesizer version of a harpsichord is almost. But what it sounded like. Like... <laughs> de- 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 I don't. Yeah, I don't. Wow. But... So we're not talking about like Hans Zimmer type level. No, 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 no. <laughs> no. <laughs> not even like they. I'm surprised they didn't spring for John Williams. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was slaving away trying to trying to do more Star Wars. Uh, well, he was over on Indiana Jones. He would have been on Indy, yeah. Oh, yeah. right, yeah, 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 yeah. So we've got an '80s movie. So we also have Phoebe Cates, Judge Reinhold, and Corey Feldman. You know, got to make sure that we get that trinity of '80s actors in there. Uh, <laughs> I was pleasantly surprised by Corey Feldman. I feel like I gave him a lot of shit when we watched The Goonies, but like <laughs> he is. He's a decent actor for a child actor. In this movie, I was kind of, I would kind of liken him to Macaulay Culkin in Home Alone. Like I felt yeah, like he, like he doesn't I, have as big a role, but like I felt yeah, like his, his performance was like it, it always just seems so sincere and genuine. Like yeah. sometimes, sometimes when you watch child actors, they come off like so, like really, really forced. Like, hey, Billy, <laughs> and like, yeah. But I thought I thought he did a good job. Yeah, but he has like three scenes. I mean, you know, and we at, once the gremlins start attacking, we don't even see him anymore at all. But it all starts off as his fault. Like yeah. <laughs> he's the one he's, that like the knocks driver. over the water. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, he was one of those child actors that was he was cute in his day, and you know, they I think he was perfect for that movie actually. You know? Yeah. Yeah, Phoebe Cates. Yeah. She's she's definitely like my eighties movie crush for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's isn't that I think that's where I first saw Howie Mandel, right? Yeah, well, yeah, Max, yeah. Max, yeah but he was like he, the the voice, like yeah, the voice of Gizmo. Yeah, he did that voice like uh, years after that. And I'm Bobby's like, World. Is that the same guy? Yeah, it's yeah, the same guy. Yeah, Bobby's World. I remember that cartoon. Yeah, a couple other of the voice actors in this movie were Frank Welker and Michael Winslow, which makes one hundred percent total sense that both of those guys would be involved. Very nice. Yeah. With Billy, by the way, with, with the interesting connection of like Judge Reinhold and that whole Brat Pack era, this was Billy's or Zach Galligan's theatrical debut. But Judd Nelson and Emilio Estevez were both up for the possibility of Billy. So it really? could have been even more stereotypical ladies if one of those guys had been cast. <laughs> I, I, could, I could have seen Emilio doing that yeah. role. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, one other possible casting option as well is for the the role of Randall, who is played by Hoyt Axton. I read that Pat Hingle, who is Commissioner Gordon from the Batman movies, or Pat Harrington Jr., who is Schneider on One Day at a Time. Both of those guys were possibilities to play our crazy inventor, Rand Peltzer. Interesting. (laughs) I don't. I don't know this Hoyt accident. Has he? Has he been in anything else since then? I don't know what else he's been in. No, I, I. I remember it was a big list, but yeah. yeah. Well, what what else do you remember Zach Galligan from other than Gremlins Two? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> These are all like like one like two time actors, and that's it. Well, yeah, like all all the actors that had a much more illustrious career were the ones that like got no screen time, like Corey Feldman and Judge Reinhold, you know, it's like, right. Now I do have to say too, like Mrs. Peltzer, Lynn Peltzer, who is played by Frances Lee McCain. I'd like to see more things with her in it because man, is Mrs. Peltzer a badass? 
<laughs> yeah, and and Jeez. again, back back in the eighties, you, you you don't see a lot of these badass women. No, she, like she single handedly takes down three of them by like stabbing one to death, throwing one in the microwave, and like blending the other one. Like yeah. she's just kicking ass. Yeah, she was like the Steven Seagal. Back in the day. <laughs> just taking care of business in the kitchen it's, it's... got to be in the kitchen if you're like under siege under siege exactly yeah. now nah, you got it <laughs> I, I wonder if the decision for her for her to go that route instead of getting her head chopped off was was if that was like her decision or like her like if she she wanted to make that move or if that was just a <laughs> script decision no uh, what from what i read it sounded like it was a script decision because that would have been a hard r for sure yeah. and they were trying to bring it down so <laughs> yeah. but i i love i love those swords hanging by the front door too where every time someone comes through that front door one of the swords falls it's just like oh that sounds like foreshadowing to me what yeah, what was that sure. sound i heard <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say at first it reminded me of the gag in uh modern family where phil always pulls off the top of the banister i don't know if you guys have seen that show but oh, yeah 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 it's, yeah, like yeah. A very, it's a very similar thing like it's just this the house just falling apart or whatever <laughs> yeah it's it's people hitting the McAllister's bronze statue or, That's or what that, that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to follow the like Phoebe, like Kate and Billy. Their relationships—they're not together at the beginning of the movie. It starts like midway through, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And is she how old? How old are they? Like, are they in their twenties? Because she works at a bar, right? Yeah, yeah. And he works at a bank. I mean, like, they're definitely not high school students, but yeah. they act like high. They school act students, like high school. That was yeah. They yeah. act like high school students. That was difficult for me to follow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, I've always wondered that myself is exactly how old are they supposed to be? I mean, in in something like Drop Dead Fred, when we saw Phoebe Cates and we're like, it's so weird that Carrie Fisher is her best friend because there seems like such an age difference. Mm -hmm. Whereas in this one, she feels way too old. To yeah, be like, in, Bi yeah, like Billy seems like a kid. Like I wouldn't like Billy seems like maybe grade 10. Yeah. To me. Like the way. And that's just kind of, like, by the way his parents treat him. Plus, he seems to be, like, best friends with this neighbor kid. That's, like, 12-year-old. <laughs> like, 12 yeah. years. Who's, like, considerably younger than him. Yeah. Mm. Talking about the comics that they've got and all that. Yeah, I, I don't know. I it's Maybe he's 18. I, yeah, and, like, the relationship is weird because... It seems like him walking her home that night is the first time they've ever talked or something, even though they seem to sit next to each other at the bank. Mm -hmm. Like, it's it seems like they should already be besties or something. I think it would have been better if they had, like, you know, like the, the, all the kids that played in uh, Stranger Things. Yeah. Like, that dynamic, that group dynamic of kids, you, you it's more believable that they're all... Well, they're all same age. They're all hanging out. They're all, you know, have same similar interests, and they come across this gizmo. Like that would that would to me would would be a better background with all the the younger characters. I think. Yeah, like I mean, Judge Reinhold is also one of those ones that Judge Reinhold always feels old to me, no matter what he's in. Like even Fast Times at Richmond High, where he's even younger than he is in this movie, he still always feels like he's thirty to me. <laughs> that, that for him to come in to that one scene being such a slime bag hitting on Kate, it just it it, it feels weird because you know like, with his come on over, I have cable. What a flex in the eighties! I love it. But yeah, I mean, it's just like 
Judge Reinhold, I, I assume that all three of these guys were probably in school together, but he seems so much older. That's that's almost how it feels, is like they're all fresh out of high school, and they all went and got jobs without having to go to college. I don't know. Like, it's just... Man, wouldn't that be funny, like, if Axel came came out of, you know, from up from behind... It's like yeah. I'm here. <laughs> well, what, Axel, no, what, what are you doing here? What what would have been great is when Billy can't start his car that he finds out that there's a banana in the tailpipe or something. <laughs> uh, good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I love the cross promotion. <laughs> I mean, it is one of those like all these movies. Every time we watch the well, not every eighties movies, but like anyone that's like in this vein of these like young kids, they all seem like they're in the same universe. <laughs> like you could, they remind me of like Castle Rock or something like the, the that's like the Stephen King universe all combined yeah. into this like one place, v- or the View Askew universe or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like you could do the same thing with Gremlins, Goonies, like all the like. Well, you could even throw in circuit. movies. Yeah, movies yeah. like the. The Burbs, too. Like, really, anything with Corey Feldman. Is kind of, <laughs> like, it's it's almost like it's the Feldman-verse is what it is. Yeah, the Lost Boys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. They were, they were made they were made all the same back then. It was a, it was a kind of almost like a cookie-cutter style, right? Yeah. Yeah, and they all take place in the Back to the Future set. Like- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then there's some sort of weird extraterrestrial. Yeah. <laughs> They're all filmed on the Universal backlot. That's, that's what has them all... So it's the universal universe. The, the, the it's the universal. I don't know. It is, but... <laughs> I was I was not expecting uh, the story behind why Kate hates Christmas to be that like terrifying story about her dad. That's oh my god! Gonna, right? Gonna gonna haunt my memories forever. <laughs> that was odd. Yeah, because she plays it off earlier as oh, I just don't like Christmas. I've never liked Christmas. And then and then it's like you might as well have had like had her lit from below where it's like it, yeah. was, it was a dark and stormy night. I was waiting for my parents. I don't understand how that furthered the plot though. Like why why do we need to know that? Like that what why is yeah. that part of the backstory? It almost seemed like it's so irrelevant. Yeah. The first the first time I watched the movie, I thought I had missed something that like the gremlins were responsible for killing her dad in the chimney. <laughs> no, <laughs> and it didn't. It was yeah. separate. Yeah, but then the second the second time I watched it, I was like, "Oh, I wasn't paying attention. That's it's this whole, it's just it's just it's literally just an anecdote from her past." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was weird. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's a it's a dark story. Why are there so many boy gremlins and no girl gremlins? It's like Smurfette. the The ratio is way off. Like at one point in the bar, we see like two, maybe three girl gremlins walking around. But like, why is the ratio so off when these things multiply? Oh, I thought I didn't even realize they had like. I thought they were kind of asexual. Yeah, I thought they were all kind of like that too. <laughs> Just given the fact that they clearly don't have to have any sort of intercourse in order to reproduce, they just have to get wet. Yeah. Oh well. Okay. That's usually <laughs> the first step. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, because there, there are a few of them wearing dresses and wearing lipstick, but I guess this could be like you know in the longest yard when you have Tracy Morgan running around on the <laughs> sidelines in a, in a dress. It could be like that. Absolutely. Yeah. They were, they were ahead, ahead of their time. They, you know, they were, they were transsexual gremlins. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I also like didn't really understand Gizmo. These are his children, technically, but he doesn't really care for them at all. Yeah. <laughs> like he, well, he doesn't yeah. really want any part of them. If, they, well, if something happens, we'll just grow some more. 
Yeah, and, and why why does every other one have to be an asshole? Like, why can't there be a, a second <laughs> nice one? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, like, what made, what made Gizmo so special that he was just like... Like, Gizmo clearly knows that it's after midnight and he doesn't want to eat. But he yeah. doesn't tell Billy that while he's just shoved these chicken in the in the box here. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Chosen one. Yeah, he's Neo. He's the Neo of the of the Gremlins. Matrix. He, he knew he was in the Matrix. He's like, you know what? And I'm 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 woke. I mean, there is there is kind of a parallel. Like the 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 rest of the stripe of the rest of the Gremlins are kind of like Agent Smith, just trying. Like once Agent Smith goes virus and he's just trying to replicate all over the place. Like that's kind of what they're doing. <laughs> So you think the Wachowski brothers saw this and they're like, "Got it." Well, yeah. w- 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 Wachowski sisters now. Yes, yeah, sis- sisters now. Yeah, because yeah, it's now Lana and I forget the other one's name. But yeah, I, I guess with another like Matrix parallel, I mean, when when Agent Smith replicates himself, like there's always like a flash of light and and whatever, you know. For some reason, when he jumps in the pool, everything starts like going crazy with disco lights at that point so you've got those special effects why does it do that why why does why does the pool suddenly start smoking and lighting up and to signify the change yeah but but when when he gets water spilled on him in the first place there's not any kind of light show that happens Mm. i mean his his back starts bubbling but there's no light show why why does the pool at the ymca get the light show Hmm. that's a good question yeah and how much water did they ever explain how much water you need it doesn't look like much considering the uh, paintbrush bottle that's spilled on him. But no, now, now with this light show, though, shouldn't the light show have killed the gremlins as they're replicating? Because it's bright light. <laughs> <laughs> the rules are flawed, I tell you. Maybe, maybe when they're replicating, their eyes somehow get glossed over. Yeah, but it's not, it's not looking at the light that kills them. It's just being in the light that kills them. Hmm. <laughs> See, there's another plot hole. You have to ignore those. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a movie you can't think too much about. Which doesn't which doesn't make it like great for this podcast, but like <laughs> <laughs> that makes it perfect for the podcast. If you had to if you had to recommend this movie on your podcast, it would be take some edibles, watch this movie, <laughs> it's gonna be amazing. Oh, it helped. I'll tell you that much. Um, no, but <laughs> here, here's a here's another one that I noticed is like when the gremlins are attacking him in the department store. There's one point where the gremlin comes at Billy with a chainsaw, and he grabs a <laughs> Louisville Slugger, a what a wooden baseball bat to stop the chainsaw. And this chainsaw attack lasts for a solid like two and a half minutes. And that whole time, this gremlin was not able to cut through a wooden bat. Billy was able to fend him off long enough for Gizmo to come to the rescue. Well, you have to understand. He's, he's got tiny hands. He's just like. <laughs> and it could have been could have been a dull chainsaw as well. You know, we don't know. You don't know how well that chainsaw has been maintained. So the the department store is selling a brand new dull chainsaw. <laughs> it's okay. that ref- re- <laughs> it's re- refurbished, gently used. <laughs> I mean, there is also like, how does a gremlin know what a gun is, or how or how to use? They it? seem to be pretty adaptable. Like they they learn fairly quickly i think they learn really quickly very like, quickly yeah. i i don't yeah. know if i would be able to walk into a projector booth and figure out how to turn a projector on like 
The first thing they learn is how to party, and then the yeah. second thing they learn is how to shoot guns. It's like they're in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Katie keeps serving them. Like, why is yeah, she Yeah, that, that was at- what I didn't get. Like, like they don't know how to talk. Like, why, why is she there trying to, like, appease them? Yeah. Like, <laughs> if you were her, wouldn't you just get out? Wouldn't you yeah. just be like, these are monstrous demons, like, I need to leave this place? <laughs> yeah, none of them came in and said, you know, serve us or die. They're not speaking English. And they're splashing alcohol all over the place. They're getting themselves wet. So yeah. is it only water that makes them multiply? Is it an allergic reaction to water that isn't found in alcohol, but shouldn't it be found? I like ah! well, that like do do they say do they say that they can't drink? Because to me, to me, there's a difference between getting wet and drinking. Yeah, those those are different things. No, but they're splashing it all over themselves too. Mm. I'm a, I can only think of the one where I, where the one is like laying on the bar with the faucet open. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. But, like, they've also got, like, whiskey glasses in their hand, and they're th- throwing their arms in the air, so it's just splashing all over the place. Maybe it's because they're demons, and alcohol is the devil's juice? I don't yeah. know. <laughs> well, but Mr. Wing at the beginning does say they can't have water, not even to drink. Hmm. Mm, that's true. So, I mean, that's why I asked, like, how are they surviving, even? I think it's just water universal. Universally, it's just water. Yeah. Can't touch it and drink it. So what I didn't get was like the water seems to be like the multiplication. Does is all is that all that water does water hurt them or does water just make them multiply? It just makes not them that it multiply. really answers the question because I mean if so like say if they were drinking, wouldn't they have just been like multiplying all over the place? Exactly. That's, thing. Yeah. That's what I was asking about the snow too. Shouldn't they have just been multiplying all over the place? That one actually is water. Maybe the multiplication is a defense mechanism for when water touches them and it hurts them, but then they're like, as a defense mechanism, they're like, ah, it hurts so much. But, but it's light, but it's light that hurts. Like light hurts, okay. water multiplies, food transformed. That's the medicine. There's also like, you have to think that the gremlin, similar to how like Raichu is an evolved form of Pikachu, the gremlin is the evolved form of the Mogwai, so maybe the gremlin has, like, more resistance to some of these rules because it's already, like, you know, been exposed to whatever it's been exposed to, and then it's gone through its metamorphosis to become a gremlin. So maybe when it comes to water specifically, it has a little bit more choice in the matter? I don't know. <laughs> oh, okay. That Yeah, because it is when he climbs to the top of the fountain and sticks his finger in. Yeah, maybe that's what the glowing is. That's that's him giving himself over to yeah. the multiplication process. Because it kind of seems like Stripe, that's his name, right? As the yeah. leader. He's the yeah. leader of the gremlins. He's kind of like the alpha. And he. it seems like maybe only he has the power as like the king gremlin to reproduce or something. I don't know. Yeah, but technically, I think that Gizmo would be the king gremlin. Well, but Gizmo, he's a, he's a lesser form, I think. Uh, because it's, it's, he's not It seems like, yeah. Because he's still, yeah, he's still Charizard and stuff. He needs to. Whatever. He needs to embrace his final form. Yeah. <laughs> Man, this is a weird movie. <laughs> yeah, like, well, I feel like in my mind, I'm I'm writing my own version of Gremlins too. That probably is not at all. <laughs> no, no. Gre- Gre- Gremlins two is the same thing, but the puppets are better. That's. <laughs> Was there ever talk of making a Gremlins three? I think there might have been. I, not nothing I came across, but there probably was. 
I don't know. Yeah. I, I remember that Gremlins 2 has uh, John Glover in it, though, from <laughs> from from Smallville fame. Yeah. <laughs> Lionel Luther. Uh, well, here, here's one. I mean, you say that it, this is a weird movie. What about that neighbor character of his? I mean, that's that's definitely someone we haven't talked about yet. But boy, did did he want to make a statement about how he feels about foreigners? <laughs> oh, yeah. that was such a that was such a just stereotypical american in an 80s movie these foreign foreign vehicles they're nothing compared to our american muscle <laughs> yeah and i think again th- that movie was and that line probably was put in there to appease the american audience yeah <laughs> to, you know because like it's like i think if you look at it more more deeply although it's weird because uh steven spielberg had a hand in it but this movie could have been uh a uh, a social commentary about gremlins being the foreigners coming in uh, to small town New York and <laughs> taking over their space and taking over their shit. There's so many rules. Can't get it wet. Get no light. All this kind of stuff. It's because they're trying to impose their religion and their self upon our, us Americans. We don't want it. So let's kill him. Let's kill them all. Yeah. I feel like I need to underscore that with the, uh, American national anthem. <laughs> American we'll stand proud. Or something. <laughs> yeah, no, I should have bought a Zenith. Ah, oh, foreign TVs. Like, it's just... <laughs> and, and I mean, of course, he's also the only one that talks about gremlins beforehand. But there's that one point where he's pissed drunk and he leaves the bar and Billy and Kate actually watch him get into his truck try to start his truck it doesn't start and they're like maybe you should walk home and he's like yeah i'll take a walk and it's just like really you let him get all the way into his truck and it was only because his it didn't start that you told him that he shouldn't be driving <laughs> yeah again very relaxed rules back then yeah <laughs> talking about gremlins the whole time i did read that uh mogway does mean gremlin in cantonese oh the direct uh, direct translation is uh, de- the devil, or well, it's it's devil, demon, or gremlin. It, it's kind of like you know one of those. Mm. Those those are the synonyms for Mogwai in Cantonese. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. That's, so you're, oh, that's you... what my parents were talking to about. Okay, that's why they called me that all the time. Now I know. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! But 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 they make it sound cute by saying that, right? Yeah. You know? Oh, my Mogwai. Oh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Kingsley can call his kids that now. <laughs> I yeah. totally won't. There you I go. Totally won't. It's gonna be a term of endearment. Oh, you little mogwai. Oh, <laughs> now, one one thing I am surprised by with this movie is that we actually don't get a lot of deaths. Like, I mean, they they end up letting the racist guy live in the end, but then, but but then they give you the death of Mrs. Deagle which definitely feels earned. But really, outside of that, who else did they kill? Is the black guy, does the black guy get killed? Oh, yes, that's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, opening scene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, oh, okay, okay. So the teacher, here's another question. Why were the kids in school on Christmas Eve? They established mm. that it was Christmas Eve and they're watching that video. And then he's like, okay, have, have a good night. It's Christmas Eve, go home. And it's like, why? Why were the kids in school all the way up until then? But yeah, he. Uh, <laughs> I read though that his death originally it was going to be like a face full of hypodermic needles, and and it was once again Steve, Steven Spielberg stepped in and he's like, no, a single one is is enough. 
Man, this movie could have been like full on horror, hey? Oh yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> but but instead we get what, like four deaths? Five deaths? How how many deaths were there in the I mean we named three of them. Yeah, not many. Well, I mean there's sure. there's a few gremlin deaths. Well, Blender, there's plenty Blender of gremlins. There's lots of them, yeah, but there's lots <laughs> well, of tons of gremlins. There's the yeah. explosion. I mean, yeah, no, they yeah. they they all die, but it's yeah, actual human deaths. Like there there is the one point where they go and hide in the bank, and she tells her horrible story about her father dressed up as Santa and dying in the chimney. I, I I'm just glad they didn't have a line of we were wondering what that smell was. But. <laughs> <laughs> but but they come out of there and all the chaos that has been happening in the streets of all the gremlins chasing people around. Now, all of a sudden, there's no one anywhere, but you also don't see any bodies. Maybe the gremlins ate them. Oh, wow. Right. They just that's how, that's that's what they eat. Okay. They, ate, they ate all those people in the McDonald's. Well, yeah, if that script had come out. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. The movie's flawed. <laughs> that that we have firmly established. No, but yeah. I think I agree with you, Colin. I agree with you that if they would have just went balls to the wall with like with that R rating, mm-hmm. it yeah. could have been it could have been a much more of a cult horror. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah there, I think so. There's one point that Spike gets hit in the head, and we hear the sound of Tweety Birds, and it's like, <laughs> how am I supposed to take this seriously as a horror movie when you have the Tweety Bird sound? You know, it's just, I think, and I think when when the she was stabbing the gremlins, I don't think there was much sound. Like the sound, there weren't a lot of gruesome sound effects. Yeah, that I recall, just more like just like there's part of the music is like you know like you you were like in Psycho, right? One of those kind of things, but it wasn't like disgusting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the one the one exploding in the microwave that was pretty bad. And and I mean when when Spike melts and you have his bones come up at the end like it's just like you know that last the 80s last minute bad guy pop up that happens but instead it's spike's bones or stripe i keep wanting to call him spike i mean stripe's bones but yeah i mean that that was also gruesome and then they like melt into the floor <laughs> yeah 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 that's probably where steven spielberg got uh, in indiana jones when the guys oh the guys face, face melts. melts absolutely yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then our 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 Furbies. Would do you think Furbies were modeled against Gremlins? I I totally think they were. Yeah, because Furbies came out like a few years later, like probably yeah. not not that much longer. Yeah, and I think the first one looked like a little gremlin. Well, they they all had the bald ears, and it, it was like a tie dyed gizmo is what they looked like because they were always like really loud colors as well. It's all about profit, marketing, money. Yeah. yeah. Does Caroline actually exist anywhere? Like, because there, there was the one point where Billy and Kate are walking home and they pass the carolers. Have you ever had a caroler visit your house? No. No, I've never seen it in real life. I've only ever seen it in the movies. Okay. It's another one of those things. Only ever seen it in the movies. <sighs> I had a question, actually, that I just remembered I wanted to bring up. Do you guys think that It's a Wonderful Life? It has to hold the Guinness Book of World Records, if there is such a thing, for, like, the movie that appears in the most other movies. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like, I think it's in... I've watched... I don't know. I've probably watched, like, 20 Christmas movies so far, and I would venture to say that somebody watching It's a Wonderful Life has appeared in at least 10 of them. Like, at least half. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I'd say so. It's such a classic. such a classic, right? So, when you're watching a Christmas movie... People are watching these classics. But what is it about? Like, so, like, I love It's a Wonderful Life. I, I, if someone made a movie about my life, I would be the one watching it. <laughs> but it has to then be considered like the quintessential Christmas movie, I think. Yeah. Or it's the cheapest one to get the rights to. Or that. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> 
Because, yeah, I mean, you you never, you always see Jimmy Stewart, you know, running through the snow. That That's that's always where it is in the movie when it's on also. Him running well, it's, through it's, the it's, snow it's... yelling or... It's that, or it's or it's him, or it's him saying he's gonna lasso the moon. It's like yeah. one of those two scenes. Yeah. Or, or no, sometimes it's uh, you know, every time a bell rings. Sometimes we're oh, yeah, right yeah, at yeah, the yeah, end yeah. of it. Yeah. Sometimes we're right but, at the end. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, you, you're right. You never see anyone sitting around watching Elf. You know, no. no, no one's ever got Christmas Vacation playing in the background. But it's it's gotta be a price thing. We we yeah, need to we be. need to establish it's Christmas. And they're they're giving this away in quantity, not quality. You know, like that that's what they're doing. They're instead of charging one person fifty thousand dollars, they're charging five people ten thousand dollars, you know. <laughs> yeah, because I can't I, I definitely can't think of anything else that's ever in the background that much. Yeah, I remember it was like in Home Alone, right? That was that's yeah. the the one movie that was McCulloch Kelkin was looking at. Yeah. We saw it in Elf. Yeah, it's in Lethal Weapon, I think. Really? <laughs> Yeah, I know I've mentioned "It's a Wonderful Life" a few times on this show in my sponsorship corner. So, I'm yeah. actually it was also in a, a Christmas Vacation, and and I think Christmas Vacation should be that that's a movie that I always see a, a, during Christmas. Well, see, what I would want to do is if if I got rights to a movie like Home Alone to put in the background of my movie, I would want to make sure it's the scene in Home Alone where they're watching "It's a Wonderful Life." That's <laughs> totally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or or angels with filthy souls, one of the two. But <laughs> Oh, I've got a note here. I'll go back to the science teacher for a second. <laughs> they they kind of try to turn the science teacher a little sinister at one point, don't they? Like when he comes at him with the syringe and he's like, "It's just a little blood. You're not going to miss it." You know? Yeah. Yeah, I- I can tell if the science teacher was just meant to be like a normal guy or if he had some sort of nefarious scheme at play. (laughs) Yeah. Um, First of all, my thought was, you know, well, if you're going to take a blood sample and this Mogwai has no way of replenishing its fluids, of course he's going to miss this blood because he can't drink, I guess. I don't know. But the other thing, and this is what makes me think that he is like this nefarious, like evil guy. He takes a bite of his sandwich, looks at his watch, and goes, oh, wow, it's late, I gotta go. Then he just drops the sandwich on the counter and walks out. <laughs> Who does that? Only a psycho would do that. He didn't, he didn't take it with him. He didn't wrap it up. He didn't throw it in the garbage. He just dropped it on the counter and walked out of there. That's a dick move. Well. He sure paid for it, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> That's what you get. Syringe in the butt. <laughs> <laughs> Better than in the face, I suppose. <laughs> oh, in the face is classic. In the face. <laughs> Go back to Crow with the, I put him in every major organ in alphabetical order. <laughs> Oh, oh! Here, here's a here's another indication that it's 1984. One of my favorite things in the department store was when they walked past the video camera where it says, "See yourself on TV." Look at that, 1984. You <laughs> back when it was exciting to see yourself on a wall of TVs in a department store. That's true. That's true. <laughs> what is this sorcery and these magic boxes? Ah, uh, different times. Yeah. So yeah, we end the movie with. 
all the all the mogwais getting blown up when they're in the theater. I, I find it interesting the mix of special effects that they used when it came to the gremlins and the mogwais. Like some of them are so obviously puppets. Some of them are animatronics, but then like in the movie theater, you have what is clearly animation on the on the movie screen of them all running towards the movie when they when yeah. they see Billy in the background. Yeah, it's almost like claymation. <laughs> yeah, oh, well, no, that that's at the one point where they're all marching up the street. That one is totally stop motion. Oh, yeah. yeah. So like they've used like all the kinds of <laughs> oh, those, those are the movie tricks. Here. Yeah, those were the movie tricks back then, right? Yeah. You didn't have LucasArts yet. the ending of the movie we end up having grandfather come back and basically say that you guys are irresponsible pet owners and takes takes the mogway back but we have to make sure that gizmo gets a chance to say bye to billy and to the dog bye woof woof oh what a touching ending but yeah i I mean I, i like how grandfather comes in and is just basically like fuck you guys First of all, first of all, you shouldn't have had him. Second of all, you guys can't handle it. You know. I mean, like I, I, I thought it was funny that Grandpa comes back after everything is all said and done. I feel like it would have been more epic if when what's it, Spike Stripe, Stripe whatever yeah. is it, when he yeah. was at like the top of the fountain, if the grandfather would have just like just like came through the window and like kung fu this <laughs> gremlin and like just beat the shit out of all the gremlins and like like that's a, in Mr. my mind Miyagi that's how him. yeah like that's how this movie should have been should have should have but that would have been, been unrealistic <laughs> yeah yes. yeah that would have been unrealistic <laughs> like they missed i mean it's still it's still like asian stereotype but they missed a good opportunity to throw like some epic kung fu save the day scene <laughs> in at the end of this movie <laughs> oh, that's no. true. yeah and instead we get mr peltzer giving him like his last smokeless ashtray yeah <laughs> <laughs> like like why can't his ashtray even work (laughs) when we see the 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 guy at the the, like the at the gas station where it's just smoking like why oh my god but you know yeah but at least grandfather gets it to go home with his mogwai was was gizmo the only one that that spoke i can't remember well, all all of the uh, gremlins kind of, you know, like Billy, like they made sounds like that. Like that they all good, kind of talked. Because I remember Gizmo saying stuff invitation. like, "Oh, yeah, thank Gizmo you." Gizmo was saying you. like, uh, <laughs> "Woof woof," and um, bright light. Yeah, bright light, bright light, bright light. Yeah. But I don't remember any of the other gremlins saying. No, because English. yeah, no, because they're they're all in the theater going, "Hi ho, hi ho, it's Australia," like that. Yeah. So they they all they all make kind of mostly English noises. Mm, okay, they're just not going to come into a bar and be like, "Bitch, give me a whiskey," you know. <laughs> <laughs> do do that with the gremlin voice. Yeah, bitch, give me a whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> and there we go. That is Gremlins. Oh boy, Colin Kingsley on IMDb. It scored seven point two out of ten. It has a Metascore of 70. On Rotten Tomatoes, it has 85 on the tomato meter and an audience rating of 78%. Oh boy, but Colin, those are just numbers. Like, a sword to the head. No, 
I you know. Yeah, I guess that's the best one there is. I don't know. Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know if I agree with that. I'd give it like a two, two point, two point well, nine. Out well, of 10. Hold on, no, hold on. I'm still, I'm still working through something here. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like a gizmo on a dartboard. Hit us with some reviews. All right, I'm gonna go to Go- I'm gonna go to Google today for the reviews. Maybe I'll throw in some Rotten Tomatoes, but these Google ones are pretty good. <clears throat> Mandingo gives the movie three out of five stars and says, "This is an odd duck of a movie. Having not seen it as a child, I was fairly perplexed watching it for the first time recently. With its strange tone, far too gruesome and dark for smaller children, but not scary or complex enough for adults. The main issue is the characters who are the stupidest bunch of people you could ever meet in a movie and always make the worst decisions to push the plot along. Something modern horrors get a lot of grief for. And the ultra-bland hero, Billy, who is the dopiest of all. Having said all that, I still enjoyed the movie because the gremlins are undoubtedly a fantastic creation, and there are definitely some memorable moments. The music is great, too, and really complements the wacky tone. Wow. I, I think the mom is the only one that makes a good decision, because when she comes into the house and she hears noises upstairs, the first thing she she grabs a fucking knife. And, and, you know, and goes and investigates. Like, I mean, yeah, okay, maybe getting out of the house would have been a better decision. But she grabbed a weapon. Like, she didn't think, oh, that could be Billy up there. She's like, no, something's wrong. Something I'm taking, amiss. I'm taking a knife. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the next one is from Olivia Evans. Again, three out of five stars and says, I watched this movie when I was in second grade. Now, being about seven years since I have seen the movie, I would not recommend this movie for families with small kids like second graders, especially when you watch it at night right before bed. I'm not pointing any fingers here. Just do better than my parents. Anyway, (laughs) being the tiny second grader I was, I wouldn't go into the bathroom without the light on for weeks due to being scared that evil gremlins would come out of the toilet. Now, after therapy and time, I can now enter the bathroom <laughs> when the light isn't on and not be scared. And then she writes, the last sentence was a joke. I'm fine. No traumatized children here. <laughs> Probably should have so, just left it with the trauma. <laughs> is, yeah. is she 14? I'm trying to work through the math of her review because she says she saw it for the first time in second grade, but it's been seven years since she's seen it. So has, yeah, I, I, has I she mean, seen it as an adult or is she 14? Like the first time she saw it was seven years ago. Yeah, by my math, she's fourteen. Yeah. Wow. All right. <laughs> try try to make try to make sense of this one. Okay. <laughs> Saul Gonzalez gives the movie five out of five stars and says, "This is by far one of the best adaptations of villain to the big screen. By far the best Gremlins nineteen eighty four movie made." You will not regret seeing it. Not only the actors are very good, but it also maintains a real essence in Raw, and not to mention the main hero without spoiling much. I can tell you that he is very ruthless and sick. A modern version of the Green Goblin and little and nothing envies his counterparts in the comics. In addition to maintaining a rhythm which it does not bore you, it is true that in certain parts, the movie has its defects, but these do not take away what I achieve and what I mark. Wow. No way. There's no way. I'm confused. Did this person watch Gremlins or something else? Did did it go through Google Translate? (laughs) I have no idea. (laughs) Somebody obviously paid for a review here. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's much like how I said that Mogwai means 
devil, demon, and gremlin. Some of those words sound like they were supposed to be something else, but it's possible that Google Translate chose the wrong synonym. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, last one. Or no, maybe not the last one. Last one for Google. Morgan Evans gives the movie one out of five stars and says, When I was a child, my dad brought this movie home for us to watch, and I wish he didn't. I watched half of the movie and immediately ran out of the room. I ended up forgetting about the movie because we threw away the CD, but in second grade, something happened. They put Gremlins on Netflix. For about one year, I was terrified to go on Netflix because I didn't want to risk seeing Gremlins. I knew they weren't real, but the sight of them terrified me, including the small furry ones. My sister one time was on Netflix, and I turned my head in case she passed the movie, and she said, I am done, and I turned my head, and boom! Gremlins. I was deeply terrified. I have never been that terrified in my life. I won't watch the movie again, even though I'm not scared anymore, but I don't recommend you watch this movie at all. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Those are polar opposites. That, That sounds a little like Joel's irrational child's play fear that he talked about. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let me see if any of these Rotten Tomatoes ones can live up <laughs> to these. Uh, here's a good. Theodore M. Rotten Tomatoes user gives it three out of five stars and says, You could call it a Christmas movie. As a grown up, you watch it and are like, How hard is it to remember some simple rules? Okay, now y'all deserve to die. <laughs> nice. They kind of do. Yeah. Yeah, that's a more realistic review right there. Yeah, and yeah. Mean, meanwhile, it's like all the people that were involved in making this mistake were the people that lived at the end. Billy lives, his dad lives, his mom lives. Well, I guess his mom was, like I said, she was a badass. It wasn't her fault, but Billy and his dad, that's for sure. Yeah. And and Corey Feldman, they all live. <laughs> uh, you know what? We're just going to cap it there. These other two are kinda, <laughs> they, can't, they can't live up to... This might have been the best of the best. Google really, really brought it home on this one when it came to the reviews. <laughs> right on, right on. I like it. So yeah, like, like I said, 70, 70 and 7.2 on IMDb and 85 and 78. Wow, like uh, from 70 to 85, like that's that's a high ranking film according to IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes. So Kingsley, where where yes, does sir. it fall for you? Well, I, th- I think uh, I still stand by, you know, uh, 2.9 out of uh, 10. Okay. Yeah, I mean, even even by suspending my disbelief, there's too many plot holes. There's things that didn't make sense to me. I didn't think it was scary. I didn't even think most of the acting were all that great. Yeah. And um, I think it was a social commentary about <laughs> foreigners coming <laughs> to the country, damn it! <laughs> <laughs> right on. Okay, Colin, what about you? It's your first viewing of Gremlins. What did you think? Uh, I don't know. To be honest, I don't really think much of this movie. I think that for whatever, I th- I thought I was going to like it, but I kind of, I agree with Kingsley. Like, I just think there's too much wrong with it to really like it. I think there was a better movie to be made. And I think it kind of suffers that they held back. They should have yeah. went. They should have went the full R. Yeah, and uh, they should have just like really went for it, and I think they would have had something. But they, some nudity. Like, they needed some nudity. Yeah, yeah that too. <laughs> yeah, they needed, they needed like the arachnophobia. We needed the girl in the shower, and yeah. the, they, they <laughs> needed they needed Phoebe Cates coming topless out of the pool. That's, That's what they needed. Yeah, they needed fast yeah. times at Ridgemont High. I thought. I thought that. I thought that the uh, the gremlin, like the animatronics for. 
but like Gizmo were cool. Like I liked the puppets and I yeah. like I like kind of all those like practical effects that they used for the gremlins. But that's pretty much the only positive I think I can point out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know watching this one, I mean, it is one that I enjoyed when I was younger, but it's been years since I've seen this. And I I kind of lean towards what you're saying where totally it's all over the place yeah between between mrs deagle who i mean like her character completely changes from what we see of her in the bank to when we see her at home as a crazy cat lady figures that she was a crazy cat lady but like even her as a character her tone shifts so much in these two different locations, but you have her doing her Mrs. Hannigan thing. Like I said, I don't know. You've got some parts that are funny, but some parts that aren't. And like Kingsley said, the, the acting was kind of subpar after seeing Phoebe Cates in both this and drop dead Fred so close together. You may have had a crush on her as a, when you were younger, but I don't know if a lot of that could be based on her acting ability because she reminds me a little of a- Ali Sheedy in the fact that there's nothing spectacular about what she does as an actress. You know what I've actually just realized in this exact moment? Phoebe, Kate, like I like Phoebe, I do think she's a beautiful woman. Yeah, but I am. I'm imp- when I'm thinking Phoebe Cates, who I'm thinking of is Jennifer Connelly. Oh, ah. oh yeah, the the horse riding scene in uh, what's that movie called? You know, she's riding the horse. And the guy's just staring at her in the department store. Oh, what's that movie? Riding the horse in the department store. I yeah, Jennifer Connelly. That, that's her. That's I, when she was in her prime, I, too. And oh, man. I, don't, I was I don't know about her in Labyrinth. Yeah, Labyrinth or The Rocketeer. Oh, she was gorgeous. Oh, yeah, in the, the Rocketeer. Rocketeer. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. So there, <laughs> that, that's kind of an interesting thing that you just discovered in your, <laughs> in your own mind. Okay. Yeah. 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 I was like, I was like, Sean's right. I don't think I'm thinking about the right woman. <laughs> yeah. Because really, outside outside of this movie and Drop Dead Fred, literally the only other thing I know her for is Fast Times at Ridgemont High. That's why that's the only movie I ever mention when I talk about Phoebe Cates. <laughs> <laughs> so, call on, look up a, a movie called Career Opportunities. Career Opportunities. Oh, okay. That's the Jennifer Connelly one. See, I haven't seen that. Oh, yeah. That's, so, that's like early 90s. So we'll have to get you back at some point and you can bring us career opportunities. <laughs> that, that's what we could do. We have talked about wanting our guests to bring us a movie of their own. Well, there you go. So there we go. Hair, the Phoebe Cates, Jennifer Connelly dynamic. That's right. Yeah, it's it's Dermot Mulroney and Dylan McDermott all over again. That's <laughs> that's what Jennifer Connelly and Phoebe Cates are. But I do I do echo your sentiments though, Colin, where it's just like there is a better movie. They should have gone for the hard R. And yeah. because tonally it is all over the place, and I don't know who this movie is for. Because yeah. it seems too old for kids, but it seems too young for adults. And something I liked as a kid, I this this time I don't think I can go much higher than like a fifty-five. Like you know, this, this is kind that's of generous. That's yeah, generous. this is kind of a right down the middle movie, and a lot of that might be nostalgia. I I, I go higher than you, no matter what, Kingsley. I think, but I mean, like, yeah, fifty fifty five. That's that's the highest I would go, but it's probably a sub fifty movie for me. Like, it's it's not a great movie, but I'm glad I have revisited it. But I don't know if I'll have to revisit it again. But I am curious to go watch Gremlins two, the new batch, which is always the one that I liked more. And to see whether it really is just this one movie or whether they're really both pieces of shit because Well, um, at least the at least the animatronics that will be better. Yeah. Yeah. The effects are are upgraded. Yeah. Well there we go. That is Gremlins, and that's our show for this week. 
Oh boy, a big thank you to our buddy, our, our hat trick guest, Kingsley Lung. Kingsley, thanks for joining us once again. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it, as always. Love it. And we'll have to see about career opportunities sometime in 2022. Yeah, if you can try to bring someone in to recreate the scene, that'd be even better. Oh. <laughs> well, I've, I've, got, I've got no problem uh, seeing something else with Jennifer Connelly in it, that's for sure. But I, I will say that the horse scene that always sticks out in my mind, though, of, of a beautiful woman on a horse, ah, oh, that's got to be Brittany Daniels, Joe Dirt. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 Classic. Classic. Dang. Dang, says Kid Rock. Damn straight you do, Kid Rock. Mr. Rock, you are right. If you like that show, one thing you can do to really help us out is, well, you know, all the usual stuff, guys. Go give us five stars on whatever app you listen to your podcasts on. It helps drive us up the charts, helps us get noticed. Tell your friends. All those things like word of mouth that just help us find listeners, help us build a base. Or if you want to go above and beyond and help us out with with a monetary donation, you can become a producer of the show and go over to patreon.com slash I used to like this one and become part of our Patreon family. You would become an executive producer of the show and then you would get a shout out just like our current executive producer, Joshua Blum. And be sure to check out our website, www.iselectthisone.com. There you can find links to all of our podcast episodes as well as our social media platforms. We have Instagram, we have Twitter, we have Facebook. I almost blanked on Facebook for some reason. But yeah, go on there, check us out. If you want to email us, you can do so at I used to like this one, all one word, at gmail.com. Drop us a line and let us know what movies you used to like, and then maybe you'll find us talking about them on the show. It's the same way I almost blanked on Patreon just a moment ago. So <laughs> I, I guess we're both just, we're in the Christmas spirit and we're just burned out from gremlins. <laughs> <laughs> I used to like this one is created by, hosted by, and produced by Sean Wells and Colin Stewart. It is edited by Sean Wells, music by Lyndon Carter. Look for his band Carter in the Capitals anywhere you listen to music. Thank you for listening, and join us next week when we take a look at another Christmas movie on I Used to Like This One. Oh, yeah. Nice. Ooh. Another one in the books. Another one. Yeah, another one in the can. <laughs>